Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome.com. Monday waiver wire show, the week five edition. I am Matt Kajewski here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajewski, and you can follow him at Kyle tweets here today. Our title sponsor is Yahoo fantasy. And before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. So, you know, when this and all other awesome content goes live, Kyle, what a week four we had. Now, I've told you about this high-stakes season-long team I'm in that's been decimated by injuries a few times. It's been terrible. I had Saquon Barkley, Tevin Coleman, Cam Akers, a number of injuries. But silver lining here, I have to start Chase Edmonds as my running back one in this league. So I'm not entirely upset today. Chase Edmonds walks his way into a touchdown and catches all of the passes out of the Arizona backfield. And I want to segue this into a little bit of a... While I played Chase Edmonds in that league, I played a lot of Kenyon Drake in DFS. And I'm sure season longers are very upset about Kenyon Drake. That's one of the biggest takeaways I have for week four. What did you think about Kenyon Drake? Like, what do we do with him and any other big takeaways you saw? Yeah, I mean, you're given what your other options are, you're probably not trying to play Kenyon Drake anymore. Yeah, and, and the reason is partially Chase Edmonds. I think part of it is just because Kenyon Drake's probably not that great. It's like, uh, you know, the offense largely just wants to either throw or run with Kyler Murray when they run with him. It's not like they're pounding him three or four times on the goal line like they are like like Zeke or Clyde or Hilaire would be. I like this offense, but they've got a lot of guys to take touchdowns away and he's just not getting the receiving game. So really, no matter what front you look at it from, he's kind of in a squeeze. I don't want to say he's entirely like uh, we talked about, like Devin Singletary being between the 20s with no passing game, but yeah, man, he's just meh at this point. He'll probably grind away to 60, 70 yards at least. But outside of that, it's hard to really get excited about him. You may have to play him, but you certainly don't want to. Yeah, with Kenyon Drake, man, he's going to be tough to play going forward. I think a lot of teams aren't going to have a great option just because Kenyon Drake was a first or a second round pick. But I'd be trying to hit the waiver wire. That's, of course, the topic of our show today. Today's a it's an interesting week for waiver wire. We didn't have a ton of injuries similar to, to last week, I suppose. But of course, if you have questions, throw those into the chat. Kyle and I will address all of your waiver wire questions. I think some more takeaways just from this Arizona offense. Kyler Murray, he's dynamic on the ground. But man, he's not been able to get it going through the air. Kyler Murray, he is one of the lowest 
yards per attempt in the NFL. And I was just looking at DeAndre Hopkins stat line, man, the guy had nine targets. He reeled in seven catches, but just 41 yards. What do you think this is doing for, you know, Christian Kirk was a guy drafted in the mid round, someone you'd probably look to start in your flex. Are you looking for options on the waiver wire? Obviously you're not replacing Hopkins, but maybe like a Christian Kirk. Oh yeah. I'm not here for Christian Kirk running those Curtis Samuel wind sprints and not getting any targets. Like I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. She said it. their MO is going to be high completion. Like he is the next iteration of Drew Brees. Essentially he's going to be, I would say efficient in terms of like a probably like CPOE completion percentage over expectation. I think that's probably his ceiling is where he just kills you nickel and dime you down the, like not down the field, you know, shortly down the field and then, yeah, it, it all ends up funneling to DeAndre Hopkins, maybe some of the running backs, Larry Fitzgerald, I guess. So for me, yeah, I'm pretty much completely done with Christian Kirk. I think there are probably better options as a pure roster selection on the waiver wire, let alone for your starting roster. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Even within the offense, I mean, like, I'm starting to consider guys like Chase Edmonds' weekly flex plays now. It's going to be tough. I don't know, again, your options. At quarterback, luckily, there's a lot of other players you can look to, but, you know, Kenyon Drake specifically, that's a tough situation to decipher. We did have a number of big injuries. We had Nick Chubb go down. We had Austin Eckler go down. Those were two of, I think, the more marquee players that you're starting on a week-to-week basis. We also had O.J. Howard go down with, I think it's an Achilles tear, and I think O.J. Howard's done from there. What are the ramifications for the Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler injuries in particular? Okay, so Austin Eckler, I saw a clip of this live and it didn't look great. Like, obviously, they didn't say, like, basically, if a player tears, like, tears his ACL, tears his Achilles, et cetera, if it's a season-ending injury, we know within, I don't know, six hours to 12 hours, probably. That's the case with O.J. Howard. I I think Gronk is going to be a fake good ad. People are going to see the fact he's going to be the number one starting tight end. He's been absolutely dust through three weeks, like, or four weeks now. And we saw last week, even when the opportunity was there, I think he went one for three on his three targets. I just can't imagine there are not better options. Like, I'd pick up Robert Tanyan tonight over him. Honestly, as terrible as Logan Thomas has been, I'd still take Logan Thomas. Mo Alley-Cox is sort of rotating at tight end. He's been efficient in the way he's produced. He's not the number one tight end for sure, but I would take all these guys over him. Austin Eckler, yeah, he was down for a while. He couldn't get off field and was under, under his own power. I think this is, you know, it's listed as multiple weeks. You could construe that as two to three. I'm thinking it's probably four, five, six. Joshua Kelly, I would imagine he's owned in most leagues because we saw, what, 20 carries in week two. If he's not owned in your league, he's obviously the priority claim because Kareem Hunt is literally owned in every league. Joshua Kelly, probably 10 to 15% maybe in some leagues, I would imagine. He's a guy you have to blow the fab on. You have to spend your top waiver claim on. You're going to get, I would imagine, four plus weeks of bell cow or fringe bell cow duty out of joshua kelly justin jackson has not been he was injured early in the season but he's not been a huge part of the the plan for them probably for a reason because josh kelly is quite good so josh kelly jam into your lineups get him on all your roster if he's still available right now i am seeing uh yeah it's uh no you said uh in our slack that you missed nick chubb it literally happened i think a minute after we went live i got a notification about it so far, all I've seen is MCL sprain. He's on the IR, but the IR is not the same as it used to be. The IR is only a minimum of three weeks. So like we see with Christian McCaffrey, he's on the IR. He's expected to return in, I believe it was four to six weeks with the initial time frame. So far, it's just listed as a sprain. So I'm thinking four, five, six weeks. Obviously, we could get news later that it's a more serious injury, but it does seem like Chubb isn't done for the year. 
you're you're jamming Hunt in all day, baby. This is this is exactly what he was drafted for. Is like you had to pay a massive premium to get Kareem Hunt in your drafts, thinking that yeah, he has some PPR value on his own, but he jams it in whenever Nick Chubb goes down. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Now those drafters have have got what they paid for. Kareem Hunt probably looks like an RB1 going forward. He's a guy who both has incredible pass-catching upside, and he is a running back who's led the league in rushing before. Now he plays for a team that all they want to do is rush. In the shootout of all shootouts with the Cowboys, Baker Mayfield goes for 164 yards. Like Even when their opponents are going to put up points in droves, and even in the games where they are successful in putting up points, it just all happens on the ground. Kareem Hunt... Uh, yeah, I think he is probably he has like top three to five upside going forward. And I would list him firmly as an RB one. Dearness Johnson got like 13 carries. I would think maybe that was a product of although it looks close in the box score. They were multi-score. They were winning by multiple scores down the stretch. Dallas made a late game push. But generally speaking, the game wasn't incredibly close late in the game. Maybe that's why we saw Dearness Johnson. But I do think he's a, a worth an ad in deeper leagues. And I mean, I guess he's probably the direct backup to Kareem Hunt now. So definitely worth an ad in, in most, if not all, deeper leagues and some shallow leagues, depending on, you know, what your running back situation is like. Yeah, I, I definitely want to throw a flyer on Dearness Johnson. There's a couple factors there. You did mention the multi-score lead that they had. I also think Kareem Hunt coming into the game as a game-time decision may have influenced the usage yes. for Dearness Johnson. But there's a couple situations where we're going to have two backs usable. And funny enough, this Cleveland situation and Los Angeles with Austin Eckler, this is a spot where we've seen two backs be usable. With Cleveland, it's because they're just running so much. And, I mean, like, that Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham situation, talk about some run hot. They ran 40 times. They threw 30. Odell Beckham gets there on eight targets, ends up being a 30% target share. And the kicker... Jarvis Landry throws him a touchdown. I mean, like, how often is that going to happen? Baker Mayfield's one of the lowest upside quarterbacks in the NFL at this point. You don't want to use him for fantasy. And then on the other side, the Chargers are just running so many overall plays. They were third in plays heading into week, week four. That has allowed Eckler to be viable, along with Joshua Kelly. I think you could throw a speculative ad to Justin Jackson, and they're probably two of... I wouldn't call them maybe top five waiver ads, but as far as speculative plays, they might be flex viable in the right situations and the right matchups. And they're certainly interesting as handcuffs. A couple other housekeeping notes, just some situations we were tracking last week. The Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson situation remained a near 50-50 timeshare. And it was actually interesting. Malcolm Brown outperformed Henderson in this contest. At some point, Cam Akers is going to return, probably renders that a situation we don't want any part of. J.K. Dobbins outsnaps Mark Ingram for the first time this year. I found that interesting. Not really much to act on there in week five. And Dobbins is probably already owned in your league, but just maybe a tidbit to know moving forward. We also saw a nice game out of Antonio Gibson. Goes 13-46 and one on the ground. And he carried on the goal line. Really important there. But he also saw five targets. It seems like he could be working his way into more of a feature back role. Not sure if we'll ever get that bell cow workload we want but it's at least interesting. And last one, I have Dalton Schultz. I, I think Dalton Schultz is a tight end one moving forward based on his presence in the Dallas offense. Anything stand out among that array of, of news heading into the waiver wire in week five? Yep, one more update. It looks like it's been confirmed that the Nick Chubb injury is just a multi-week injury. It's not a season-long injury, just an MC, I believe an MCL sprain. So you do get probably, I mean, obviously at least three, that's what the IR rule state is three weeks. So you get three weeks of Kareem Hunt RB1 status, and even then going forward, still probably a very solid play. 
Dalton Schultz is kind of one that you finished on that I would just like to reiterate. I mean, he's clearly operated as like the very obvious receiving tight end for a team that while their production may be sporadic week to week, some weeks it'll be CeeDee Lamb, most weeks it'll be Amari Cooper, sometimes Michael Gallup and Zeke, he's going to be in the mix. I mean, this is this is almost unprecedented what we're seeing from Dak Prescott and the Cowboys in terms of just how much they're throwing, how well they're throwing at that rate. It is incredible the production they're putting up. Their defense can't stop anybody, and they just keep losing football games. So I would say that, yeah, he is a guy who, yeah, sure, I, I would say it's it's fair to assume he'll probably drop you some three-target, you know, one or two catch games, but he's also going to have blow-up spots more consistently than most other tight ends that you can get off the waiver wire. So Schultz, I think he's, uh, at least on Yahoo, he's available in almost exactly half of the league, somewhere like 57% rostered. He should be at the 90 to 95% rate. You know, 18 leagues, I guess you can leave him off. Any any real adult league, you should be rostering Dalton Schultz. 100%. I think Dalton Schultz is a tight end one the rest of the way, and I don't think it's really close. We just don't have that kind of role in a lot of these offenses. I mean, Dalton Schultz, he's seen like eight targets a game since he's been healthy. And you mentioned it's going to be sporadic. I don't care. Like, there's tight end ones that you drafted inside the top 10 rounds that aren't seeing that kind of volume. So it, yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. There's a couple other role changes. Like Darnell Mooney is now a full-time receiver for Chicago. He played on 75% of their snaps, had nine targets. That's at least something to track for me. I don't think you're picking up Darnell Mooney or starting him, but Nick Foles is the quarterback now. And that Bears team is running fairly fast. Not so efficient. Nick Foles, he only had 240 some yards on 42 attempts. But I don't know. He's still better than Trubisky. So maybe Darnell Mooney worth worth mentioning here. Any other tidbits as far as housekeeping notes before we dive into some streamers at the quarterback position? Uh, I guess one, uh, the Bucks really got banged up at running back. They entered the week without Leonard Fournette. They left without Kenyon Barner due to concussion and LaShawn McCoy, I believe, with an ankle. Keyshawn Vaughn, I mean, got a few looks both as a receiver and a runner. Worth noting, especially given the incredible rate at which they love benching Ronald Jones. And Jones, while he had a good fantasy week, man, he had a handful of drops. I know he had at least two drops I saw people talking about on Twitter. So if they're going to play any resemblance of what they normally do with Ronald Jones, where he plays well as a runner, then makes a stupid mistake, Vaughn could get more involved. I think he's worth an ad in deeper leagues. Outside of that, yeah, I think Traquan Smith and Tim Patrick are kind of fake good ads because one of them, you know, Brett Ripien is his quarterback, and the other one will get Michael Thomas back to steal targets soon. So I hope you played him this week. I don't know why you'd be playing Tim Patrick. You could have played Traquan Smith. I had some of him in DFS. But I would say, you know, I'd rather honestly just keep abs on a few of our guys like Justin Jackson, you know, get him or Chase Edmonds on the back of your rosters over these, like, not-so-upside-laden receiver ads. Yeah, for sure. And let's start diving into the position by position breakdown on the waiver wire for week five. Of course, throw that like button into the chat. And if you have questions, we can analyze your situations. Feel free, feel free to throw those into the chat. We'll be checking it out throughout the show. Now, the quarterback position, this is one that's highly streamable on a week-to-week basis. I mean, there are teams now that are going to be dealing with Cam Newton. There's teams that maybe still had Jimmy Garoppolo. And there's teams that started quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, where maybe you're still very concerned moving forward, just based on run heavy approach or some other offensive factors looking at the waiver wire this week, there's a couple quarterbacks that have been bad that now find themselves kind of in those marquee shootout matchups. We've been targeting on a week to week basis, Daniel Jones for the New York giants, man, have they struggled, but he's going against Dallas next week. We have Kirk cousins for a very run 
heavy Minnesota team. They're taking on Seattle and should be forced to throw. Derek Carr is going against Kansas City. What stands out to you on the waiver wire at the quarterback position? So I think there are a few. Maybe this is kind of... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A uh, theme I'm running through this week, a few ads that, like, on the surface level, they have admirable qualities, but I just can't find myself doing it. Daniel Jones, I think, is probably just bad at being an NFL quarterback. Maybe that's not his calling in life. I don't want to add Daniel Jones. Derek Carr, I mean, he's fine, but Kansas City's defense has been quite good this year. I get it. They're going to put up points, and that's generally a feature you want your quarterback to play is, you know, an opponent that forces them to put up points. Not going to do it with Derek Carr. The ones I that we have listed, I actually like more, and they're available in way more leagues. Justin Herbert. Why aren't people into Justin Herbert? He is playing particularly well. He's aggressive. He's throwing down the field. He's throwing hard. And New Orleans defense isn't quite as good as I think we should have or could have expected coming here. We saw Matthew Stafford through three scores against them. They, they've given up points in a number of other spots. I don't think they're an ideal matchup, but... They did look like their offense got going and their defense wasn't capable of stopping, you know, the Lions. And Justin Herbert has just been good. So I'd rather have good quarterbacks in medium matchups than bad quarterbacks like Daniel Jones in undoubtedly a better matchup versus Dallas. Sort of the same thing. uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I think he's comparable to a guy like Kirk Cousins and he faces Atlanta, maybe even more upside. And his team actually seems fairly willing to air it out as opposed to Kirk Cousins, who his team just wants to run the football. I like his weapons too but I don't love his offensive philosophy or his team's offensive philosophy as much. So for me, Teddy Bridgewater and Justin Herbert lead lead the waiver wire ads at the quarterback position, despite the fact that there are a bunch of quarterbacks that are going to be more popular this week to add. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I actually had a speculative ad on Teddy Bridgewater last week. You, you, you guys have really seen behind the curtain at this terrible season-long high-stakes team I have. It also had Cam Newton, so I had oh to... Did you have Kittle, though? I had Kittle, and he saved my week. Congratulations my on that. W this week, partially because of being forced to play Chase Edmonds and then having Kittle. I, I can't believe you remember that. Thanks, Kyle. You're so thoughtful. Anyway, the, Teddy Bridgewater, he was good at last week, and he gets another solid matchup against Atlanta this week. And Atlanta's entire secondary is hurt right now. They're not going to have Keanu Neal tonight. They're also without Ricardo Allen. We'll see how that shakes out in the upcoming week. But Teddy Bridgewater, again, that Atlanta defense has not been able to stop anybody in Carolina's throwing the ball a ton. Teddy Bridgewater is probably my number one quarterback ad, but I can't argue with, with Justin Herbert either at quarterback at number two. One thing I'd like to point out too, as we go through the waiver wire, some of you in your leagues with the double Monday night games, you'll still be able to pick up players tonight. I think there's a few guys worth a speculative ad before we even get into the waiver period. Like if you can pick up Jamal Williams tonight, or you could pick up maybe like a, a Darwin Thompson just in the case of a Clyde Edwards Slayer injury or uh, Aaron Jones injury, and they're not going to do anything on your bench, but sit there for a day. I don't see why you don't do it. So just keep that in mind. If you have open waivers tonight, try to pick up some of these guys just in the event of injury. You might as well. There's no reason not to. Is there anyone else in that situation, Kyle? 
Yeah, I would say generally, I, some leagues, I think it's Yahoo allows you to do this where you can cut uh, players who have already played. So if you have any duds on your roster, specifically ones that you know aren't coming back. For me, I actually picked up a handful of leagues, deeper leagues like Jordan Akins. He's out. He was was ruled out with a concussion, given that if it's a one or like I'm not holding Jordan Akins for one week. He's a fine spot starter. But yeah, I would I would certainly cut him. I, you could have cut him before anyways, but I would cut him for a guy like Robert Tanya, who's probably still available in most leagues is going to have a role in this team and they play a particularly fun matchup tonight so even if you're just getting a speculative ad on the bench it's worth considering and for me like robert tonyan fits that bill especially with uh lazard and Devontae now out yeah worst case scenario you just put them right back on the waiver wire when we we go to waiver the waiver period tomorrow i think it's definitely worth a speculative ad i of course did that with jamal williams in the league where i am super desperate at running back we have about 50 of you in the chat hit that thumbs up button it is the best way to support Kyle and myself and the entire team at Osmo. Of course, this particular show, we are sponsored by Yahoo today. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV uploads and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices, choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. And we are blessed, Kyle, with a two-game slate tonight, not our normal showdown slate. I am super pumped. I love picking up some guys in those games, speculatively on the waiver wire. But let's move on to the running back position. This is always going to be, be a more interesting topic of conversation just because of the nature of the running back position. On top of the injuries we've seen so far this year, Saquon Barkley, Kenyon, not Kenyon Drake, Christian McCaffrey, and then add in some of the, the duds like Kenyon Drake. It's a spot we're typically hitting pretty hard on the waiver wire every single week. Was there anyone that stood out to you immediately as kind of a standout ad ahead of week five? Yeah, I assume Josh Kelly's in most leagues. You should probably get on him. But like you said, like I, I'm not huge on Justin Jackson, but we saw the split they gave to Austin Eckler. We saw like we've seen a split for years with them. We've seen a split like Danny Woodhead ate into Melvin Gordon's role. Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler split. Now we've seen Eckler and Joshua Kelly split. I don't think this is a team that is ever going to relinquish the entirety of their backfield to one guy. And they do have guys who have like particular skill sets. Like Justin Jackson has been quite efficient. He's like over five yards a carry, I think on his career, but I don't think he's a guy who they want to give the ball to a ton. So maybe they could get him in on some plays where they think he could make a difference in a particular spot. He's definitely worth an ad. He's probably of the guys we have like sub 10% owned right now, the premium ad, Outside of that, I think there are a handful that aren't like awfully interesting. Brian Hill, actually, we talk about guys who, who uh, you can add tonight and maybe maybe sneak in a few a few points on your bench or something. Just make a, a tricky ad. Brian Hill might just be better than Todd Gurley. Like Todd Gurley just looks <laughs> dust. He's he's been in a timeshare in the past week or two with Brian Hill. He's not you know entirely giving up the role to him, but Hill not only has contingent value should anything happen to Gurley and his dusty knees. We could just see him continue to push Gurley for that number one role or at least turn it into a 1A, 1B, as opposed to coming into this season, we thought it was just a one and no one else. Hill has made that not the case. So Hill, probably one of the guys you could add before tonight. Tony Pollard, like, you know, I, I know he got a touchdown. My DFS lineups certainly know he got a touchdown, but I like they played a ton of plays. You have to get it, it's the Chase Edmonds problem, except his starter is actually good as opposed to Edmonds is so. <laughs> Not too interested in Tony Pollard outside of just that contingent value. Malcolm Brown, I think, probably has the, the highest mean projection of all these guys going forward. But, like, it's going to be almost impossible to predict. Like, what is McVeigh doing? I guess maybe it just falls under the umbrella of running backs don't really matter much. Like, you know, who, 
we've seen it with Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey. These guys are cogs in a machine and sure they have a certain level of talent, but it pales in comparison to the scenario that they're placed in. So why am I saying Daryl Henderson is great? And you have to play him over Malcolm Brown. I don't know. It's probably because I played a lot of Daryl Henderson in DFS, but if we're going to see Malcolm Brown on the field more than either of these guys, which we've seen, you know, Cam Akers being the other guy. Yeah. You probably should roster him in most leagues. I don't think every league has to have a Malcolm Brown roster, but I would consider him, especially in your scenario with all of your dead running backs, definitely worth considering, although you'll never feel confident in playing him. Yeah, unfortunately, he's already on a roster, so I can't make that play. Uh, although I, I do want to cycle back to the Justin Jackson for a moment here. If we look just to last week, we had Joshua Kelly handle nine carries. and He saw three targets. Justin Jackson came in six carries, two targets. So he's clearly the one B to Joshua Kelly, but that's still some sort of involvement in the past game. We like that. He's going to be involved on the ground as well. In good matchups, I, I do think Justin Jackson's worth a start, and I think he's probably better in certain matchups than a guy like Malcolm Brown at this point, who is in that 50-50 timeshare. It is close. Both of those teams are running the ball at such a high rate that they're both usable when you're in deep leagues. I think Chase Edmonds falls into this category as well, only owned mm-hmm. in 34% of leagues. And what we like about Chase Edmonds, what I was very wrong on early in the year, he is the pass catching back. And I at first, I kept citing Kenyon Drake's running more routes. He's running more routes. At this point... Kenyon Drake didn't see a target last week, not a single target. That was all Chase Edmonds. Do you think he's usable? And I'm guessing you'd put him pretty high up the waiver claims list. Yeah, I think my only problem is that unless Drake gets hurt, I don't see them basing Drake out entirely, but there's really nobody on waivers outside of Joshua Kelly who really isn't on many waivers. I'm sure he's available in some, but we're talking about guys that we want a majority of our listeners to actually be able to add, guys under 50% owned in your given league. Given that constraint, Chase Edmonds probably does have the highest weekly projection, especially when we talk PPR, even half PPR leagues. I don't think his upside is incredible because unless Kenyon Drake gets hurt, I do see Drake being a factor. But it is at the point where I can't imagine, I can't imagine Edmonds isn't getting a handful of targets every week. And in PPR leagues on an offense that is going to throw a ton, they're going to put up points. That gives him touchdown upside, that gives him reception upside at a handful of yards. He's a guy who I think you can consider starting. I don't feel great about it, but I don't feel great about the the running back landscape at all right now. So if it's between him and guys like, you know, like I have some leagues where I have a league where I started Jeff Wilson last week between him and like Jeff Wilson. Yeah, I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him over someone like, uh, you know, Justin Jackson, who has some upside right now, but we really don't know what he's going to be. I'll take him over someone who's just under 50% owned, Philip Lindsay, honestly, I think the offense is just that much better that I'm taking Edmonds as well. Yeah, we're seeing Philip Lindsay. He's only 49% owned in standard leagues. That I think that's partially a function of the injury, partially a function of that Denver offense being just atrocious. So we've hit on, I think, all of the startable ads on the waiver wire. And you're for what it's worth, you're not feeling great about starting any of these guys this week. We didn't have any bell cows go down and clear handcuffs emerge. So I think one trend that's kind of, been moving through the season with us is speculative ads moving forward. And it's really important at the running back position. If you got ahead of this Austin Eckler injury by stashing these, these handcuffs on your bench, you're looking pretty good right now. And I think there's a few situations that we could benefit doing the same moving forward. A few of them, Pittsburgh, they didn't play this week due to the COVID situation in Tennessee, but Anthony McFarland had slowly started chipping away at that, that role behind James Conner, and it looked like Benny Snell was kind of being phased out of the offense. Anthony McFarland could be a guy we see push for change of pace work. Darrington Evans in Tennessee, similar situation with the COVID. 
We haven't seen him at all this year due to injury. He should work his way into that backfield. I mean, they, they were playing Jeremy McNichols. I'm pretty sure Darrington Evans has a leg up on Jeremy McNichols based on draft capital alone. So he's a name that could be a speculative ad. We saw Travis Homer factor into Seattle's game plans. That was with Carlos Hyde injured. And then we already talked about Dearness Johnson. I think he'll be a factor just because of how much Cleveland actually runs the ball as far as raw carries go on the ground. Any speculative ad you like down the waiver wire that people could maybe stash and use in the future? Yeah, after Justin Jackson, for me, it would be Dearness Johnson, just because I'm not sure we see any role out of the other guys you mentioned, barring an injury to their top guy. I don't think it's impossible to think we could see 10 carries or, you know, five, maybe five to 10 carries and one or two targets for Dearness Johnson going forward. I don't think he's a great play. I'd much rather get Chase Edmonds over him, but you can get him in essentially every league. Now he's an immediate backup on a team that wants to run the ball a ton, and he might have some very deep fringe roster consideration, you know, starting roster consideration, just given the rate that Cleveland wants to run at. You know, we can't have, I would assume, we're not going to see Kareem Hunt get eight targets a game and run 30 times a game. That leaves some role for Dearness Johnson I think it's worth adding. He's my favorite speculative ad outside of Justin Jackson, who will actually see his ownership skyrocket this week. I don't see Darius Johnson getting up below like up to 15 or 20 percent. Even I think people are going to write him off and just go all in on Kareem Hunt in terms of how they project the backfield. That might not be the case. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's a question from the chat. It's Justin Jackson or Chase Edmonds. So I'm going to assume you can only add one in that situation. It's Chase Edmonds for me. Austin Eckler, we don't have the the exact prognosis on his injury right now. I would guess he'll be back at some point this year, and that would render Justin Jackson the number three in that offense. Chase Edmonds is already the 1B to Kenyon Drake's 1A. So Edmonds gets the nod for me of picking just one between Jackson or Edmonds. Any lean there for you? Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, like, Joshua Kelly's upside in the long term is 1B because Austin Eckler will be coming back at some point, whether it's four weeks or seven or eight. I'm not sure yet, but Chase Edmonds could actually just end up being the 1A. Like, he has looked like he deserves to be the 1A. So I'm going to take that upside, even though Joshua Kelly probably does give you more points over the next three weeks. Yeah, I think so, too. Anyone on, like, the short-term injured reserve you have your eye on? Like, Tevin Coleman might fit this bill. He's been dropped in a lot of leagues. Phil Lindsay was someone that kind of fit this role, too. He hasn't played in a number of weeks now. Those are running backs we've seen play a role in the past, but... I mean, you could even put Cam Akers. He's not as widely available. For example, Tevin Coleman is available in over 50% of leagues. Any any of those guys worth a speculative ad? Yeah, I think last time I said Joshua Kelly. I meant Justin Jackson. Um, Tevin Coleman, I would say maybe in a deeper league you could feasibly consider. My only concern is that Jared uh, McKinnon has looked quite good. He scored five times in four games. He scored once in every single game. He deserves to have a role. And I think that role probably comes at the expense of Tevin Coleman because I don't see Raheem Mostert going anywhere once he's healthy. So Tevin Coleman, especially, you know, if you have like an IR spot on, on your on your roster, certainly worth popping in there. I'm not sure how viable he is actually just to hold a roster spot, you know, until maybe Raheem Mostert gets hurt again or he usurps Jarek McKinnon in week 9, 10. I'm not sure. So Tevin Coleman in the deepest of leagues, I think not impossible to play if you have an IR spot, is very viable to throw in there. Yeah, again, guys, it's thin on the waiver wire this week, especially at the running back position. If you lost a couple guys, man, you're reaching for scraps. I think targeting some of these high-powered offenses that we talked about can be a way to... 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just get yourself on the board in some of your season-long matchups. But, you know, tonight, we have a surprise doubleheader that I'm super excited about. And everyone at Awesome Boys as well. We actually have a fantastic giveaway tonight right now and if you head over to to twitter and look at osmo underscore com and check out the the pin tweet there you'll find a giveaway we have just follow the instructions on the graphic and correctly predict who will have more passing yards between matt ryan and aaron Rodgers for a chance to win a free year of osmo plus nfl one random winner will be selected among the correct guesses good luck everyone that is an absolutely phenomenal value cannot stress how good of a value that is. Osmo Plus for a year, NFL, you get all of the tools that Osmo creates himself, uses to make all of that money he does in NFL DFS. Make sure to check it out. All you have to do, predict who has more passing yards between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. Seems pretty easy to me. So head over to Twitter, check out the pinned tweet at Osmo underscore com. We also have a lot of free content. I mean, if you are playing DFS, NFL ownership projections, free today. MLB lineup builder, get in some playoff action free today, all on Osmo.com. So check out all of that. Heading over to the wide receiver position. You know, this is one we've had some success with speculative ads. I mean, in the past, we've thrown up T Higgins. We, we've thrown up LaVisca Chenault. There's a number of guys I think that are still worth speculative ads at wide receiver. One in particular that dipped below 50%. And this is certainly the product of injury. But Henry Ruggs for Las Vegas, we don't really have a status update on him. He was listed as doubtful on the injury report. Makes me think he'll be back in, I don't know, a week or two, but he's not on injured reserve. That's at least a little bit telling. Do we think he's worth a speculative ad? He's available in, let's see here, 57% of leagues. Yeah, so I had a note that you particularly liked on uh, at the top of the show or at the top of our show sheet. We didn't say it, but I, it was something to the tune of I would rather add the second Dallas practice squad receiver over Carson Wentz's first receiver, Derek Carr's first receiver, or Daniel Jones' first receiver. And I think that is simply a product of, like, like David Moore is inexplicably going out and outscoring Greg Ward and, and, like, Hunter Renfro, guys who project for massive target shares. It's because their quarterbacks are terrible. Like, you should not – targets coming from Carson Wentz, apparently I, – I used to like Carson Wentz. He doesn't look quite, quite good so far. Targets coming from Daniel Jones. Targets coming from Carson Wentz, from Derek Carr, come at such a massive discount. So for me, I look one spot down in our show sheet, and I see Meikle Hardman, 37%. That blows my mind. I get he is farther down by a significant amount on the target totem pole on his team relative to Henry Ruggs, who, whenever he returns, I would imagine plays a number two role to Darren Waller. I just would rather give myself the upside of potentially getting a receiver three or Patrick freaking Mahomes. So I think Henry Ruggs is a good ad, but seeing that people are, are selling out on me, Cole Hardman, I, I am, I'm buying back in. He was like a fringe top 10 round pick guy and people after a handful of bad weeks are, are willing to give up on him. I get that you haven't got a lot up until last week. I don't particularly care. I think you were holding him in the event that he does work his way into a larger role. That is still in the cards. So I think Michael Hardman, in the same vein of Henry Ruggs, like 
massive splash play kind of guys, I would rather take Hardman knowing that I'm getting less targets, but they're always going to be more efficient. I'm not as sour on, on the Oakland, or excuse me, the Las Vegas offense as you are. I think they've actually put up some points against some good teams. A lot of that has come through Waller, and I don't see Ruggs usurping Waller at any point. They're very different, and Ruggs has a skill set that's conducive to some big plays. So I think in some deep leagues, he's worth an ad. I don't think he's a surefire starter by any means, but you can certainly look to him, at least see what you get. You can always throw him right back on the waiver wire if he doesn't pan out. As far as Michael Hardman, I am certainly interested in him. Also very surprised to see him only owned in 37% of leagues. People have certainly soured on Michael Hardman. It does make sense to, to an extent. I mean, as far as the Kansas City Chiefs situation goes, they've played Demarcus Robinson ahead of him. He's run more routes, but this has been trending the, the opposite direction of late. Miko Hardman, his targets have been increasing. He was up at six in their most recent game, while Demarcus Robinson's have been decreasing steadily. Demarcus Robinson started at six, all the way down at one in their most recent game. I'd be really interested tonight to see if the they switch this. And now it's Miko Hardman running more routes, playing more snaps. Again, a guy worth a speculative ad. I would get on Miko Hardman tonight if you can. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, especially because you can in, in some leagues or if you had guys who didn't play this week, if you're still holding on to James Washington, I was holding, I was clutching those rows for repeats for a while. You can always swap guys who are not going to be playing this week, which we have a handful of, or other guys who like, like if you if you had Alan Lazard, unfortunately, you can probably take like Michael Hardman for him. So for me, yeah, Michael Hardman, if you can't get him tonight because your, your league doesn't run waivers that way or doesn't run free agents that way, put in a claim for him if he's available in your league. He should be owned in most leagues. I get that some teams can't afford to be holding zeros on their bench. You need to be hoarding running backs in the event that one of them is able to start for you. Same with tight ends. I have a handful of leagues where, unfortunately, I'm holding like three tight ends just because my tight ends are all bad. So I need someone to – I need to have the stream already in my backyard. If you can afford to hold him, I would be getting Nicole Hardman in all of my leagues. Yeah, I think another guy who's just below Nicole Hardman in leagues owned is Nikhil Harry. 34% of leagues Nikhil Harry is owned. I do not think Nikhil Harry has the same skill set, but Nikhil Harry does have a target share north of 20% in this New England offense. He currently sits at a 24.5% target share. Last week was a little concerning. He only ran around on 68% of New England dropbacks. I kind of think that was a little bit of a product of game script for Nikhil Harry. He's also a little bit more concerning because of his average depth of target, one of the lowest in the league. He is used in the red zone. He hasn't converted them. So there is some touchdown upside. Basically, I think Nikhil Harry is someone you can add. You can potentially use as a flex play, but you certainly would prefer Mikael Hardman. Another guy, T. Higgins, just below 33% owned for T. Higgins. He has emerged as one of the top pass catching options in Cincinnati, a team throwing at an immense rate. Joe Burrow is averaging just south of 50 pass attempts per game. That's enough to sustain multiple pass catchers there. And you could do a lot worse with a flex play. I think they're both worth ads. You also have guys like Christian Kirk, LaVisca Chenault. Any ads there that you could use immediately? Yeah, I would say Nikhil Harry, I would have been saying that, you know, kind of raving about him like Hardman because the target share is so good. But man, those targets already come in a discount, like you said, because of that miserable ADOT. Now they come in a further discount because if you pick them up, you're playing like, you're playing him with Brian Hoyer tonight. You're probably playing him next week with Brian Hoyer as well. His targets are going to be so inefficient that I just, I think he's worth rostering. But his upside, like we we talked about his upside coming into this week and into last week as a PPR guy, a guy who's going to rack up targets and catches, but the routes he's running just aren't conducive to big chunk yardage or touchdowns. 
Now add in Brian Hoyer, and I, I just can't do it. I get why he should be rostered, but I think the upside is so capped. Whereas T. Higgins, on the other hand, is kind of the opposite. I'm not entirely sure his target share is going to be as good as Harry, but a quarterback play is going to be so much better, so much more aggressive, and he should make up for that target share with you know more more pie. There is a vastly larger pie in Cincinnati running more pass plays than almost any other team in the NFL than there will be with the Patriots either because Brian Hoyer can't sustain drives or Cam Newton runs a lot. So I think I get why both these guys should be rostered, but if you're making me choose one, it's T. Higgins, and I feel fairly confident in that. Yeah, I, I agree. I do like T. Higgins more out of the two as well. Again, with the wide receiver position, I think part of what we're looking for is speculative ads. You know, like spot starting a guy like Nikhil Harry is only going to do you so much. At this point in the season, what you'd really like is for maybe one of these rookies to grow into a larger role in their offense. And someone I could certainly see doing that, someone we've talked about a lot this year, is still LaVisca Chenault. He ends up with six targets this week. He turns that into five receptions. For 86 yards, I actually do think DJ Chark's role in this offense was missed in their previous game, and having him back certainly helped them a lot. We saw Jacksonville, they were able to open it up for 351 yards passing on the back of Gardner Minshew, and that benefited all of the pass catchers, not just Chenault, but DJ Chark racked up 95 yards himself. Chenault, of course, had the highly efficient 86 yards on five receptions, also carried out of the backfield one time. I think LaVisca Chenault is quietly going to grow into this wide receiver two role, and we're starting to see him slowly overtake Keelan Cole. He out-targeted Keelan Cole this week. Still think he's worth a speculative ad? Yeah, I would say for me it's just uh, it's just LaVisca. You know, I don't really care too much about Keelan Cole. LaVisca is good, but I do think, like you said, Shark added an element to the offense, but he also takes away from the target share. And he will probably play a different role than LaVisca Chenault, who, like you said, Chark probably adds a field-stretching element, whereas Chenault is basically just, uh, he should at least be and should continue to be not only used a little bit out of the backfield, but just a just a yak monster, like a guy who looks like a, a running back when he's fighting off defenders. He's stiff-arming them. He's juking them out. He looks incredibly, uh, you know, Debo Samuel-esque in a way, DJ Moore-esque in a way. So I think that probably bodes well for how he should be used in the offense. I do think, despite the fact that we saw them improve last week versus their Thursday night football game versus Miami, still not a ton of upside. I would take, I would still take him. He's rostered in less leagues than Christian Kirk. At this point, I'm taking him over Christian Kirk because Christian Kirk does not fit with his team's offensive philosophy, whereas Chanel probably does, especially given Gardner Minshew's good but limited skill set, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think LaVisca is someone that could emerge into a larger role throughout the season, something you're looking to on the waiver wire. Conversely, Maybe you need opportunity right now. And I want to get your take on a guy who I think has no real ceiling long-term, but is in line for a lot of opportunity right now. It's Greg Ward for the Philadelphia Eagles. He is back-to-back weeks. Last week, 25% target share. This week, 27% target share. The guy's been targeted 18 times in two weeks. I know they haven't been efficient whatsoever, but this guy, he catches half of them that might be usable in some deep PPR leagues, especially ones where you've dealt with injuries. Are you able to, I don't know, put Greg Ward in your lineup if you add him? Sure, you could do that if you must. Do I want to? No, but you said it. At the end of the day, as much as I rag on Carson Wentz for being inefficient through four weeks, targets are targets, man. So especially if it's a PPR league, I think you can play him, but you have to understand that your ceiling is probably cap especially because when you look at the next two matchups it's pittsburgh and baltimore i believe in that order so yeah greg ward getting a lot of targets and it certainly helps that zach Ertz looks quite dusty so you would talk about normally zach Ertz technically being the number one receiver 
I don't know, man. Is he even that anymore? Without, without uh, at least last week, I don't know. Maybe they'll get Alshon Jeffrey back, but without Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rieger, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Dallas Goddard, I we gotta someone get a better training staff or a better conditioning regiment to Philly. So yeah, the target's gonna be there. You can take him and you can play him. He kind of falls on the opposite spectrum of he's not a long-term upside speculative ad. You're getting the most out of him right now. And I think his production dwindles as the team gets its receivers back on the field if they can manage to do that. For sure. Alshon Jeffries slated to come back sometime in the coming weeks. We don't know how severe Deshaun Jackson is injured. Dallas Goddard should be back at some point. And of course, Jalen Rieger is on the injured reserve. We actually have him as a speculative ad too. 15% owned in leagues. And he might not even be a guy you have to add this week. Jalen Rieger, he's not supposed to come back till the team has their bye. That's in a few weeks still. So you might be able to get Jalen Rieger for a few more weeks, but I do think he's at least, at least worth mentioning. I think there's a chance he's this team's wide receiver one when healthy. We just haven't seen it out of him adding that little element of unknown. Darnell Mooney is another name. He's owned in just 1% of leagues. And if you're looking for someone that's seeing opportunity, raw opportunity in an offense, I actually prefer Darnell Mooney to Greg Ward at this point. Darnell Mooney was out there 75% route rate for him saw the nine targets that was second only to Allen Robinson on this team I think you could start Darna Mooney in some really deep leagues and he is certainly not going to be as owned as Greg Ward what we like about Mooney he has an, an alternate skill set as well he's a guy that had a 4-3-40 or dash coming out of Tulane in college real deep threat he's replacing Ted Ginn in this offense and that's the role he should play but we do like the targets it's two weeks in a row he's played a significant role in this offense I think Darna Mooney's a better add straight up than Greg Ward what do you think yeah, I don't hate that. I, I've been kind of ragging on Greg Ward, and I don't think the quarterback situation is any better for Darnell Mooney. But it seems like as a as a player, as a prospect, he gives you much more upside on a per-target basis, and the targets are going to be there. That's the difference, is you're not having to sacrifice target share for talent, if you want to call it that, or just a dot even if you just air yards. You don't actually have to sacrifice that in terms of getting a better target share if he's just going to be out there all the time running all these routes and getting a decent amount of targets. So yeah, it looks like Greg Ward, people were already kind of warming up to him, owned in about a fifth of leagues. Mooney, completely unowned. I would, I agree with you. Let's go for it. We'd rather target Darnell Mooney on the waiver wire. Look, man, Greg Ward is a veteran of the AAF. Darnell Mooney was at least drafted. So we, we got to give some love to Darnell Mooney coming out of Tulane. Greg Ward, former AAF, I don't know, wasn't even the wide receiver one on his team. So I'm not, not in love with Greg Ward from a talent standpoint by any means. But we, we've hit on wide receiver, I think, enough here. We're talking about Darnell Mooney, for goodness sake. Let's, let's move over to tight end where we have some exciting options. This is a, it's a position like quarterback where you can routinely find starters on the waiver wire. And there are certain situations where, man, you're probably starting to look at tight ends in the waiver wire. One in particular – this New York Giants situation, Evan Ingram is seeing all the volume in the world and he's seeing none of the efficiency. I think partially due to tough matchup, partially due to, you know, quarterback play. Evan Ingram has 10 targets last week, six catches, 35 yards, 35 yards for Evan Ingram on six catches and 10 targets. Like my goodness, at what point do we start turning to the waiver wire with some of these guys that were drafted inside the top 10 rounds? Yeah, so you were on it last week. You were on the ball with this last week. Tyler Higby is dead. Like you cannot be playing... Tyler Higby, get that boy out of here. Austin Hooper comes back to life, but it also is in a, a game that, you know, sets up perfectly for a wide receiver to come back to, or a wide receiver, a tight end to come back to life. So, yeah, I think you you probably have to most specifically dial in on, on the targets, which unfortunately does lead me to some ugly plays. Like if Tyler Higby isn't going to get the targets, who is? 
Slogan Tom's going to get the targets. He's going to get the targets. I believe it was not as many targets as his first three weeks. I think it was only like four or five targets last week. But they don't have a ton of other guys to look to. And I feel like I'm just saying the same things I've said. You tell me what to do with Logan Thomas. He's a guy who I've been buying the air yards and I'm buying the targets. He's athletic. He's a position switch. So it makes me believe that his, his early career production or lack of production, I guess, is excusable. Is the lack of production now, though, inexcusable? I want to say no, but I still love the volume he's seen through four weeks. Last week was a bit of a downturn, but overall, I just don't see them turning at anyone else. Yeah, I think if you are an Evan Ingram owner, you still prefer Ingram to a guy like Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas, for me, would be if you had a Tyler Higby as your tight end one on your team, someone that wasn't seeing any volume and was inefficient. With Ingram, at least you're getting the volume. It's just inefficient as well. So I don't know if that makes sense, but, you know, Logan Thomas, I think he's a situational ad. You could add him speculatively in case they make a quarterback switch or something like that. But ultimately, there's not too many tight ends I'm starting him over. Tyler Higby's one. I mean, still probably Engram for me over Logan Thomas. But, I mean, you could make the ad speculatively, and maybe you make that switch at some point down the line. But, man, the efficiency out of Dwayne Haskins has been bad recently, real bad. And he only has eyes for Terry McLaurin. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he had his best game of the year this this uh, last week, and it still didn't pan out for Logan Thomas, which that's kind of my biggest concern, is that he graded well by PFF. I think he topped 300 yards, and it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So if it didn't happen then, when does it happen for Logan Thomas? I'll probably say in terms of our waiver wire ads, I will put Robert Tanyan, who's in the same stratosphere, in the same sphere of ownership, about 26% for both of these guys, I would honestly just look to add Robert Tanyan, who especially without Lazard, without Devontae, is probably just going to continue to play a, a very important role on his team. We've seen that Jay Sternberger and Josiah Degura are not going to be factors on this team. So Robert Tanyan, I would say maybe you could argue Greg Olson over him because uh, like Olson's probably running as the, the number one tight end for the number, maybe we call him the number two quarterback in the league right now. But I'm going to go with targets and go with Robert Tanyan, although tight end is right now very difficult on the waiver wire. Yeah, you mentioned this earlier, man. You said you didn't want to target any of these wide receiver ones for bad teams, and instead you were willing to take practice squad players in the Dallas Cowboys. I think Greg Olson firmly fits into that category where he's the tight end one for a really efficient team. You're going to get a lot out of guys like Greg Olson, guys like Dalton Schultz over some of these tight ends like Logan Thomas or Chris Herndon, who are also available on the waiver wire, seeing more volume, but it's coming at the cost of what is the efficiency in those offenses. We have a question for the chat. It's actually something that we should probably hit on. It's about the Green Bay situation with Devontae Adams out. Not pertinent to the waiver wire, but very pertinent to the Devontae Adams owners tonight. They just want us to talk about some of the options, maybe if we're looking to replace Adams within the Green Bay offense specifically, and I think we could open this up to just other options available on the the two-game slate tonight. With Adams being out, Green Bay has done a couple of really interesting things with their offense. In particular, we've seen them use 11 personnel at a really low rate, but it's kind of misleading. When you look at like sharp football stats or any of these advanced statistics websites, it says they're using two running backs a lot. They're not actually doing that. They converted Tyler Irving to wide receiver, so he has the running back tagged. Technically, when you look at him, but he's actually running wide receiver routes. Tyler Irving played on 23 snaps last week. 22 of those came in the slaughter out wide. So Green Bay is still technically in a lot of 11 personnel sets. They're just using a running back as a wide receiver. 
With that said, Tyler Irving is still splitting time with Darius Shepard, who, you know, on, you know, DFS platforms, he's the min price. Both of these guys are going to be widely available on your waiver wire. I don't have a strong take between the two receivers, and I would certainly prefer Robert Tanyan over the both of them. I do not think Malik Taylor sees any sort of significant work here. He only played four snaps last week. Anyone you'd look to on Green Bay outside of, I don't know, Tanyan? Yeah, no, you named it. I would say a slightly into Shepard over Irvin, but honestly, I, not guys I'm looking to get into. Tanyan, even though you know, you're know you not generally starting, so I assume hopefully you played Devontae Adams in your flex so you can then move essentially anybody off the waiver wire. And that's, I guess, a, just a sharp tip going forward. If you have guys, and it's the same tip in DFS, if you have guys playing later in the week and you have the choice to play them in your flex or like their specific position, always play them in their uh, in the flex role just so you have more options off the wire. If you did that, Robert Tanyan would be the premier play. Jamal Williams, yeah, I think has some interesting, you know, a few catches could be in line for him. He didn't really luck out, though. It's not the best week to be picking guys up late. Robert Tanyan would be the guy I would look to. I think there's some hidden upside with Tanyan as well. Mercedes Lewis is doubtful for tonight's game. He's a tight end. The, the Packers use a lot as a blocker, but he plays anywhere between a quarter and 50% of Green Bay snaps on a week-to-week basis, and he does run some routes. It's not a ton, but that does just open up that much more opportunity for Robert Tanyan. We have seen them use a little bit of 12 personnel. We had Jay Sternberger play about a quarter of the snaps last week, and he received, I believe it was three targets on that playing time. There is the possibility without Lazard and without Devontae Adams that we do see some dual tight end sets with Robert Tanyan and Jay Sternberger on the field at the same time. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Packers do. Again, we mentioned it, Nicole Hardman, Nikhil Harry, they're available on the waiver wire in a ton of leagues. You were definitely preferring Nicole and Nikhil Harry over Robert Tanyan in the flex, I think, even if you can get there. Any qualms with that? Yeah, I would say hard. I would even put Robinson over anyone that isn't like I would take Demarcus Robinson on that speculative chance that he does end up out snapping Hardman. Like you, you basically can luck box into a touchdown. Whereas I just don't see that happening with like Tyler Irvin or someone. So outside of Tanyan and maybe you could argue Jamal Williams, I'd even say Demarcus Robinson. If you're in really a bit of a bind, is the preferred play over uh, over anyone else other than like Tanyan. Yeah, I mean, even a guy like Demir Bird is someone who's played on essentially yeah. 100% of New England snaps. He's he's basically in the Chris Hogan role where he's running pure wind sprints. He's 12 targets on the year, but those are downfield targets. If I'm saying this is funny, if, if Brian Hoyer uncorks one to Demir Bird for a long touchdown, you're probably getting a decent amount of production out of that one play alone. So I don't know. These are all, you're in a tough spot regardless if you have to, to find a replacement for Devonta Adams tonight. Good luck to you all. Uh, let's see here. I think we, we got through most of the tight ends. Check if we miss anyone here. Yeah, Dallas Goddard. Goddard listed. I don't, yeah, I don't uh, expect him to come back anytime soon. I think you can probably, we talked about this with someone else and I forget who it was. You can probably wait. Uh, it's sort of gambling on that nobody else makes this slime move in your leagues. But I would expect that number to continue to drop, actually. That's at 40% he's owned in just under half the leagues. As teams continue to get racked by injuries, they can't afford to hold a guy who, although has some long-term value, is getting them zeros for the next four or five weeks, whatever it happens to be. It's an ankle fracture, but it's a very, supposedly, I don't know much about ankle fractures. It's a very minor ankle fracture. So he will come back at some point. And I think at this point, I actually feel fairly confident saying he'll come back and be a better tight end than Zachary. Zachary just looks dusted. So yeah, I agree. Dallas Goddard. Yeah, if you have the roster space or if you have IR and the person who had him didn't IR him, 
I would definitely be trying to get him. It's just you do have to accept that you're holding zeros for a while. This is really just for those teams who manage to dodge most, if not all, the injuries and can afford to churn the back of their roster for simply down-the-road plays. I think you can probably still wait at least another two to three weeks before people start eyeing him up off the wire, though. Yeah, for sure. On the waiver wire for defense this week, I think it's a pretty light week. We have most of the marquee defenses rostered by teams already. A couple defenses that have really struggled that you could look to in some positive matchups. We have the Arizona Cardinals taking on the New York Jets. And you wrote a funny comment that says, keep firing against Darnold. I think that's a strong strategy going forward. And I'm certainly going to be looking to pick up some Arizona Cardinals on the waiver wire this week. Any other defenses you'd particularly look to stream? Yeah, Cardinals and Cowboys are our two teams that are owned in less than half of leagues, and they face great matchups in terms of the opposing quarterback. And that's really the easiest thing to key on when you're looking at, uh, you know, like I get you can look at cornerback matchups or offensive line versus defensive line. But at the end of the day, I don't care if Sam Darnold has like that peak 2017 Cowboys line in front of him. He's still Sam Darnold. I know he's held one long run. They put up some points. It's also against Denver. Like, Cardinals defense, not great, but anytime I can face Sam Donald, I'm going to do that. The same with the Cowboys defense, who are atrocious. They still face Daniel Jones. Your options aren't great this week. These guys or these teams are available in most leagues and over half of leagues. So I would hope that you luck box into the defense you played last week as a good matchup this week. But these defenses, despite being pretty bereft of talent, do also face offenses quite bereft of talent. So I'll take those matchups as opposed to trying to I have a defense that I perceive to have more talent. At the end of the day, quarterback is the largest predictor of an offensive success. And Sam Darnold and, and Daniel Jones are just bad. It's true. It's true. It's true. Let's let's close this out with some sneaky look ahead spots. These are basically tiebreaker scenarios when you're on your waiver wire, and I think it'll mostly pertain to the quarterback position. For example, we have a couple high total games listed in our look ahead spots category. Carolina taking on Atlanta. This is a great spot for Teddy Bridgewater, who's widely available across leagues, across waiver wires. There's no total on this game yet. It obviously is pending the Monday night game with Atlanta. An injury like to Matt Ryan or something would greatly influence this. Assuming Matt Ryan and Atlanta comes out of this game unscathed, I'm anticipating this total being north of 50 points, probably approaching 55. And that is going to put Teddy Bridgewater squarely in play. We also have a nice matchup for players like Justin Herbert, who's taking on the Saints in a game totaled north of 50 points. And that's just at the quarterback position. Any matchups that you are looking to particularly that we might be able to start some of these guys off the waiver wire? Yeah, off the wire, I'm not sure how many people picked up Justin Jefferson. You should have. He looks quite good. Back-to-back 100-yard games should be owned in every league. Faces Seattle. Outside of that, the Chargers versus the Saints, one we talked about before, but you should really be trying to scoop up every single ancillary piece. And I'd like to point out, we made fun of the AAF previously in this show. XFL alumni Donald Parham scored a touchdown for the Chargers. You should not be adding him, but it does make me happy. (laughs) Jalen Guyton also scored a touchdown for the Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert's out here wheeling and dealing to practice squad players. And I love it. Like, how good is Justin Herbert that he can get it done with that cast around him? I know he has Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and a number of other players. But my goodness, some of the players he's throwing to, very, very impressive for, for Justin Herbert. I think he's a fantastic add. A couple other plays. We we talked about Minnesota taking on Seattle. That game is totaled at 58 points. 58 points. Like, throw everyone in there. Add Greg Olson. Play him. Play Kirk Cousins. Play Justin Jefferson. Like, my goodness, that game is going to score so many points. Anything else you see before we head out of here? 
Okay, so I've got a question for you, and we can end on this. I think this will be a helpful one. Alexander Madison kind of falls in that tier of getting enough work that in your leagues that you really got buried at running back, you've probably had to consider starting him. I think you scored last week. I know he scored or at least gotten some run in other weeks. In a game with a 58 total, we could very well see him either luck box into a touchdown because there should be a lot of touchdowns, or if Minnesota is just going to run so many plays, much like Chase Edmonds before him, you can only play Dalvin Cook for so many of the 80 plays you're going to run, the 75 plays you're going to run. Do you take Alexander Madison over Chase Edmonds? I think that's a good way to end the show. Man, I think it's still Chase Edmonds for me because All of right. the pass game involvement, but it is close. Even just last week, to speak to your point on Minnesota running a million plays and most of them being run plays, 27 attempts for Dalvin Cook, seven attempts for Alexander Madison. That doesn't even include some attempts for like Adam Thielen carried once they, they ran their fullback one time too. this Minnesota team is approaching 40 carries a game. And it's just not conceivable for one running back to handle that entire workload. Alexander Madison is going to mix in between, I don't know, six to 10 touches per game. And that's usable in some week, some leagues. You guys have heard it from me, particularly like in my league, I'm playing guys like that. Chase Edmonds was a starter for me this week. So in back deep leagues, deep leagues that have injuries, I think you can look to to Madison for sure. So that's a really good call, Kyle. Any last thoughts on the waiver wire? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a shot here. The Giants don't do anything versus Dallas. I get I get that Dallas has given up to everyone. I think this will be the worst team they play. And if you're looking to you know get in some sneaky production from their guys. You could get a few catches, you know, from a Darius Slayton, but I think Daniel Jones just played too poorly to even take advantage of Dallas. So I think that is the trap spot. I'd much rather stream Charters. I'd much rather stream Panthers. Same with even Jacksonville and LaVisca. I'm going to avoid that trap. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm not particularly fond of the Giants either, if you couldn't tell by the Evan Ingram talk earlier. But that'll do it for us today, guys. If you haven't checked this out yet, make sure you head over to your podcast network of choice. Check out the Osmo feed. We put all of these up there on the podcast network. Just make things a little bit more convenient for you guys that can't catch the live videos. But that is the Waiver Wire Show Week 5. I am Matt Kajeski. He is Kyle Dvorak. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski. And you can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Thanks a lot, guys. We will catch you again next week. 